Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. Good morning. We're going to have a great show today. We're very excited about this. Uh, I think it's going to be uh, a wonderful opportunity. Uh, we're going to have Kevin Wells on the program today. Now, you might recall Kevin was supposed to be on, I, I think it was last week, week before. I don't remember, but um, we had to reschedule Kevin, and we're glad to have done that. He wrote a book called Priest and Beggar, The Heroic Life of Venerable Aloysius Schwartz. And uh, Kevin and I have somebody in common that I'm excited to uh, to talk about, and it's not Aloysius Schwartz. It's Monsignor Golosinski, who is one of his main sources. So I'm excited to be able to talk about how Monsignor Golosinski contributed to this book and to the life of the venerable Aloysius Schwartz. Also on the program, Daniel Suazo is going to be on. He is a convert from uh, from Messianic uh, uh, Judaism. And that's an interesting, uh, if you don't really know, there is a group of, of Jews who believe in the Messiah and Yeshua the Messiah. And so we're going to have a conversation of how that led to Catholicism. And that's coming up in the What's Concerning Us. So Daniel Suazo and Kevin Wells are two guests in this hour. It's going to be a jam-packed hour. Good morning to you, Janelle. Good morning, Mr. Joe. Praise be to God. Uh, so everything is fine there at the studio? Everything is going great here in the studio. It's very, it's been very peaceful lately. Very peaceful. Very peaceful. Yes. Well, we'll, I promise we, we'll destroy all that peace tomorrow. <laughs> Um, when uh, I think we can get back into the studio, at least uh, Adrian and I. So we're Ooh. we're looking forward to getting back into sort of the routine of the program. Anyway, there's been a lot of balls dropped over the last week that we need to pick up and ca- carry on with. Uh, speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here and he is alive. I promise. Praise praise be to God. Good morning to Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be here. Now and I'm uh, looking forward to uh, being back in the studio. Got a lot to catch up on. We fooled a lot of people last week. Um, we played the interview with Michael Knowles, I think it was that Friday, and um, we had people thinking, that, oh, it's good to see Adrian again. It's good that he's back Oops. in the studio, because uh, it was a pre-recorded interview, and we had the video, and so a lot of people were watching that and going, oh, wow, Adrian is back, and we're like, oh, I'm so sorry, Adrian. Adrian is definitely not back yet, but uh, but soon, but very, very soon, praise be to God. Soon and very soon. Speaking of which, Dave Magianis is still on the team uh, as far as uh, today and maybe tomorrow. I don't know. Uh, goes. Good morning to you, David. Uh, good morning, Joe. So uh, there's a couple of things. Uh, today is National Lollipop Day. Huh. And uh, Very new. Yeah, and I'm going to send you and Adrian the uh, address uh, to the studio. Yeah, <laughs> you're going to remind us, eh? Yeah, yeah. Now, okay, you're going to miss getting up early, right? I mean, shot uh, be honest. He's going to be coming in now from now on. <laughs> Getting oh, up early makes you unique. It makes you immediately more impressive than 90% of humanity. It really makes you a different person. <laughs> <laughs> Who can't get themselves out of bed early, right? I mean, come on, David, be honest. Uh, you know, uh, the traffic, uh, you know, that's a plus. That's uh, definitely know, a plus. That's a plus. Uh, going yeah. home, uh, you know, just after lunch, you know, that's mm-hmm. a plus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's all I. That's stuff. all I got, Joe. That's all I got. <laughs> that's the full extent of your of your prose. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> no, actually, uh, well. you know, being here on the radio is really great uh, this early, and uh, you know, just being able to welcome everybody into a new day—that's kind of cool. Yeah, praise be to God. And they give them the depressing news of the headlines. <laughs> That's that's kind of what we do here on Cattle Track Time. <laughs> right. Well, we are going to have some interesting conversation today. It's uh, going to be very inspirational. Daniel Suazo is our guest, as I said, coming up at 15 past the hour, the Jewish Catholic. We're going to talk about his journey from uh, from Messianism over to the Catholic faith. And then, of course, Kevin Wells is going to be our guest. Uh, he wrote a book called The Priest and Beggar, The Heroic Life of the Venerable Aloysius Schwartz. Uh, I wonder if you've ever heard of Aloysius Schwartz. Well, uh, Kevin has uh, made it his his job to help make him well-known. So praise be to God, we're going to have a conversation about that. All coming up in this hour. If you can join us for the next hour, we would really love to have you because we're going to be playing Fear and Trembling, and it'll be uh, an opportunity to win this week's prize, generously underwritten by our prize sponsor this week, which is Bead After Bead by Dolce. They're based in Texas. I understand, but they, you can find them over on Etsy. Just look for Bead After Bead Dolce, and you'll find them there. But they've given us a prize pack to give away, and three opportunities to enter into that prize giveaway is going to be happening in the next hour. If you would like to be a part of that, you're welcome to do it. You can find the information on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. All right, so uh, break news and stories, Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, and then, of course, our con- what's concerning us. All that is coming next. Let's pray for whatever your intentions are, dear listener, whatever is on your heart, whatever your needs are. Let's go to Our Lady, Queen of Heaven and Earth, and ask for her intercession. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now the headlines with Janelle Lay. Looking at the headlines today, conservative group invites porn star. Turning Point USA claims they didn't know she was in the industry. Reported by the Catholic News Agency, Little Rock Bishop limits traditional Latin Mass to two parishes administered by FSSP. The celebration of traditional Latin Mass in the Diocese of Little Rock, which covers the entirety of the state of Arkansas, will now be limited to two parishes administered by the Priestly Fraternity of St. Peter, the bishop said Friday. Bishop Anthony Taylor's decision comes in response to a new motu proprio from Pope Francis entitled Traditionanis Custodes, released Friday and effective immediately, which states that it is each bishop's exclusive competence to authorize the use of the 1962 Roman Missal in his diocese. Taylor said the new restrictions do not apply to two of the diocese's personal parishes, which are administered by the FSSP. However, the traditional Latin Mass will cease to be celebrated in regular parish churches in the diocese. Since the document's release, other bishops have said that they will either do nothing and leave the Latin Mass schedule as is in their diocese, or that they will make a decision about what to do in response to the apostolic letter after prayerful reflection and study. For Taylor's part, he explained that the FSSP accepts the validity and legitimacy of the liturgical reform of Vatican II and thus will be permitted to continue offering the Latin Mass in the diocese. 
The FSSP administers the personal parishes of St. John the Baptist in Cabot and Our Lady of Sorrows in Springdale. However, the three other diocesan parishes where the Latin Mass was regularly celebrated, Holy Redeemer Church in El Dorado, St. Michael Church in Cherokee Village, and St. Peter the Fisherman Church in Mountain Home, will no longer be allowed to publicly celebrate the traditional Latin Mass. Previously, Latin Mass was available in four of the diocese's eight deaneries. This move means that it is now available in just two. St. John the Baptist and Our Lady of Sorrows, the two FSSSP parishes, are a three-hour drive from each other, according to Google Maps. Other parishes will not be designated for the Holy Latin Mass, noting that the new document cautions him not to establish any additional personal parishes for the celebration of the Latin Mass going forward. Taylor explained that non-FSSP priests would be permitted to celebrate the Latin Mass in private, and that per the document, they must request permission from the bishop to do so. In the letter, Taylor noted that the Novus Ordo Mass may be celebrated in any language, including Latin. Hymns and other music in Latin is always permissible, but elements of the traditional Latin Mass are not to be grafted onto the Novus Ordo Mass, regardless of whether it is celebrated in Latin or in the vernacular. Reported also by the church militant, liberal Catholics strike back, argue that their school should remain woke despite lawsuit. The suit filed June 26 by philanthropist Anthony and Barbara Scarpo against Academy of the Holy Names alleged that the school had become woke by focusing too much on diversity and equity and had strayed from Catholic teaching. The Scarpos demanded refunds of donations and tuition, and they said the Academy should stop billing itself as a Catholic institution. In response, three Holy Names alumni are pushing back with an open letter that says the practices the Scarpos criticize are not lapses, but examples of Catholic faith in action. As of Friday, the letter has been signed by more than 430 alumni from the Tampa School, as well as other academies in Seattle and New York run by the Sisters of the Holy Names of Jesus and Mary. We stand behind teachings of diversity, equity, and inclusion, the letter says. We believe such teachings are not antithetical to the Catholic faith. On the contrary, we argue that these teachings are essential to development in the Catholic faith. The Catholic faith compels us to seek out practices that support and uplift all of our brothers and sisters. Anthony Scarpa said he found the letter to be heart hurtful and that it has mischaracterized his and his wife's intentions. All they want, he said, is for the school to return to Catholicism. After leading a school fundraising campaign, he said they now wish to be the face of what he believes to be the silent majority of parents who are upset with the school's teachings. I'm Janelle Lay, and those are your headline news for Tuesday, July 20th. God love you. Saint of the day is Blessed Rita Josefa Pujalte y Sanchez. She was born on the 18th of February in 1853 in Asp, Alicante, Spain. She became a nun and was a member of the Sisters of Charity of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, as was her sister, Lucia. On the recommendation of the order and founder, Rita, she was chosen as superior of the sisters in 1900. She served in that position for 28 years and started the school for girls, especially in the poorest areas, and was known for her care for the sick, especially fellow sisters. Retiring to the St. Susana Convent in Madrid, Spain, she worked at the convent's college, and in the persecution of the Spanish Civil War, many fled, but Rita, 83 years old and nearly blind, stayed to care for orphans and those in the hospital. Grabbed by an anti-Christian revolutionary while she was in prayer in chapel, she was taken out of Madrid and executed. 
She died by being shot at 3.30 p.m. on 20th of July, 1936 in Canjelas, Madrid, Spain, and was exhumed later on and found incorrupt in 1940. She was beatified on the 10th of May, 1998 by Pope John Paul II. Blessed Rita Josefa Pujalte y Sanchez, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 12, verses 46 through 50. While Jesus was speaking to the crowds, his mother and his brothers appeared outside, wishing to speak with him. Someone told him, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside asking to speak with you. But he said in reply to the one who told him, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my heavenly Father is my brother, sister, and mother. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, and thank you, verboom.com forward slash GRN for giving us the tools to dive deep here. Now, real quick, uh, Jerome, I love Jerome. Jerome is amazing. You know, they take the early church fathers took real exception to the whole counting these people as the physical, actual brothers of Jesus. Um, you know, so there was a lot of commentary from, from the early church fathers sort of dismissing this. Jerome said this, but some suspect the brethren of the Lord to be sons of Joseph by another wife, following the idle fancies of the apocryphal writers who have coined a certain woman called Eska. But we understand by the brethren of the Lord, not the sons of Joseph, but cousins of the Savior, sons of a sister of Mary, an aunt of our Lord, who is said to be the mother of James the Less and Joseph and Jude, whom in another place of the gospel we find called the brethren of the Lord. And the cousins are called brethren, appears from every part of Scripture. So it is uh, not likely that you're going to use this as a text to sort of prove that Mary had other children or that they were physical brothers, but rather more like cousins, if anything. However, there's a lot of conversation about the true intention, which as we run out of time and get ready to go to break, it is more important to fo- not to point to the biological connection of Our Lady and these disciples as much as their fiat, their yes to God and to His will, to recognizing Christ, who He actually is, as the second person of the Blessed Trinity, and doing the will of the Father. That is the real takeaway in this passage. What does it mean to be a disciple? To say yes to God. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after the short break. I'm going to talk for you on verse. Coming up next. Don't go GloryandShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryandShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryandShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, GloryandShine.com. Thank you again. There will come a day when each of us will be asked to review the movie of our life and give an account to God. We will sorrowfully relive the bad times and joyfully revisit the good. Thankfully, no matter what you've done, there is hope. 
since Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save it. So if you've been away from church for a while, we invite you to come home and find the peace that only comes from God. Visit catholicscomehome.org. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Jesus Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, we're going to be speaking with Kevin Wells. He wrote a book called Priest and Beggar, The Heroic Life of the Venerable Aloysius Schwartz. I wonder if you've ever heard of Aloysius Schwartz. Um, I'm guessing most people haven't, but that's part of the fascinating aspect of the lives of the saints, which is part of the reason why we share a uh, a life of the saint with you every single day here on Catholic Drive Time. And, and my preference is to share the lives of saints you probably have never heard of because it's cool to learn about uh, new, uh, you know, blesseds and saints. Venerables we don't get to very often, so... Kind of cool today to have a conversation about a venerable Aloysius Schwartz, 35 past the hour. Kevin Wells will be our guest. Um, I want to share with you um, a couple of stories. As uh, Daniel Oswazo is supposed to be our guest for the, the Catholic uh, Jewish convert. Um, but if he joins us, we'll jump into that conversation. But here's an article that came out of the blaze. Uh, we were talking about, we've now several times discussed the, the sort of the debate going on on a national level between U.S. bishops and pro-abortion politicians uh, that are obstinate in holding a position contrary to church teaching and canon law. And there's an article out of The Blaze, and the headline goes like this. Democratic New Mexico state lawmaker denied communion over his pro-abortion vote. Now, you don't hear that very often. Uh, here's a bit of the article. A Democratic uh, state senator in New Mexico said that he was denied communion at his church over his pro-abortion vote. Senator, uh, State Senator Joe Cervantes uh, tweeted about the incident Saturday morning. He says, quote, I was denied communion last night by the Catholic bishop here in Las Cruces and based, and based on my political office. Unquote. He goes on to say, quote, my new parish priest has indicated he will do the same after the last was run off. Please pray for church authorities as Catholicism transitions under Pope Francis. Unquote. To get a hold of that, as the Catholic Church, as Catholicism transitions under Pope Francis. Hmm. Is that the job of the Pope to transition the, the church? I wonder. I'm not so sure. Christopher Velasquez, a spokesperson for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Las Cruces, told the Catholic news agency that the church reached out to Cervantes uh, to inform him about his stance against abortion. The church said he didn't respond to its attempts to contact him. Now, that's interesting to me, because this is one of my my criticisms, one of my uh, points of contention in this whole conversation about uh, whether or not pro-abortion politicians ought to respond receive a holy communion something we've talked about as i said a number of times with a few different guests and clearly 
uh, no. Uh, canon law says, uh, you know, you're not supposed to give these public obstinate sinners uh, Holy Communion. Now, there's a canon law specific for private sin as well, by the way. But uh, in talking about the public stance, and yet a part of this conversation is, uh, you know, well, we need to be more pastoral. Well, fine, great. Show me the example of the, the being pastoral part. How many times are you reaching out to these pro-abortion politicians to dialogue with them, to conversate with them about why it is they don't seem to understand what the church teaches about Holy Communion and why it is they hold a position uh, that's uh, in in uh, total contradiction to what the church does teach about, say, the sanctity of human life at conception uh, and why it is they feel like they're entitled somehow to receive Holy Communion, even though they deny what the church actually teaches about something that is we consider intrinsically evil, i.e. abortion. And uh, and here you see an example. You see an example of the diocese that actually tried to reach out to this pro, uh, pro-abortion politician and, and try to have a dialogue, but this person apparently did not respond to them. Velasquez also denied that Cervantes was refused communion because of his political office, unquote, but rather because he voted for pro-abortion legislation goes on to say, quote, he had been contacted ahead of time and on multiple occasions, so it wasn't a spur-of-the-moment situation, unquote, uh, Velasquez added. Velasquez said it was, quote, unfortunate that a pastoral issue with a member of the local church be publicized, unquote. Well, I mean, that's part of the issue, though. I mean, the public nature of this whole thing. You have very public people who are making very public actions, i.e. voting for for this legislation that is either for or against the dignity of human person at conception, and there is a there is a canon law that deals with public obstinance of sin, and so therefore there is there is supposed to be a public nature to this. Big huge public sins require big huge public uh, penances and and repentance, and uh, and and that's part of the issue here. It's called uh, the the issue of scandal upon the lay faithful. It can't just be one sided. It can't just always be. We only hear from those people who are against the church, and we never hear from the other side of the equation. That would be inappropriate, and yet that seems to be the case all the time. I get it. It's embarrassing, and the dirty laundry being aired publicly is never any fun, but it is a necessary component uh, to all of this. There needs to We need to put a bow on this and not leave it so messy all the time, um, and, uh, and I think that's often part of the problem. We need to, the lay faithful, especially those of us that would complain about these things, those of us who would comment on them publicly, we probably need to hear a little bit about all of these uh, pastoral efforts. I think that would be a good thing, that these bishops are, in fact, reaching out to these, these, uh, these uh, public individuals and trying to uh, uh, dialogue with them to bring them back into full communion uh, with the church. That would be a great thing, in my opinion. So that's one article. Again, it's over at The Blaze. I encourage you to read it, uh, 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 grab, grab some more information there. Uh, the Crux has put out an article called, uh, the headline goes like this, The Nine Questions That Sealed the Fate of the Latin Mass. And one of the, the aspects of this particular article that's uh, uh, important to, uh, to realize is the the Vatican basically put out a survey. They, they, this is pretty typical procedure when they're about to do something big. They they put out a survey to the bishops of the world and they ask questions, sort of get their feedback before they they put out their final documents. Well, uh, this one came with nine questions, 
And but here's the thing: the Vatican hasn't actually uh, disclosed how many bishops around the world actually received the survey, um, which would be interesting to know, because it seems like a pretty extraordinary action on behalf of the Vatican to um, to abrogate Benedict the Sixteenth Samorum Pontificum and to put into put into play some pretty big. Um, Pretty big, uh, what do I, what's the word I want to use? Pretty big, uh, sort of, uh, roadblocks to the growth of the TLM in a, at a, at a diocesan level and sort of forcing the hand of bishops all over the world to deal with an issue that they, that most probably didn't realize they had it, had to deal with. Um, because there wasn't an issue to be dealt with in their diocese. Most bishops, I argue, probably had great relationships with traditional communities within their diocese and the traditional parishioners within their, within their parishes and didn't really have the issues that seemed to be indicated by this document. And now this document seems to be forcing their hands a bit. So it's very interesting. And, uh, and it's like here's an example of one of the questions in the document. Question number one, uh, what is the situation in your diocese with respect to the extraordinary form of the Roman Rite? Pretty straightforward question. If the uh, Question number two, if the extraordinary form is practiced there, does it respond to a true pastoral need, uh, or is it promoted by a single priest? Hmm, that's interesting. Uh, number three, in your opinion, are there positive or negative aspects of the use of the extraordinary form? So, a, a straightforward question. Uh, questions, but the question in my mind is again: Was it every bishop that received this uh, survey? Was it a handful? Was it a pre-selected number? Um, who are they? Which bar- which diocese uh, were asked to fill out this questionnaire? I think that would be very telling, uh, very telling to know that information. But of course, there's no way to know whether or not we will or we don't know. Hey, Adrian, um, I've seen more bishops come out with more statements. Um, Kind of falling along predetermined lines about which bishops support the traditional uh, movement within their diocese and w- which which don't. Uh, have you seen anything that stood out to you in the last uh, twenty four hours or so? Absolutely, and it's been it's it's been quite crazy the situation going on across the world. Every diocese seems to be doing something different. There's no unity, even though the uh, allegedly the the whole point of the document was the sake of unity. Right. Yet we, it's not really any unity going on. Uh, Bishop Paprocki, who is a good bishop that we uh, we talk about every now and then, he comes out and says some good things. He came out saying, you know, as the bishop of my diocese, I am going to uh, make it so that any everyone can basically say the Latin Mass. He said all the play people in, Latin, in, uh, in my diocese have been solid, have been good, have been holy, have been nourishing the faith of our people. And so they are all getting, they all receive permission to say the Latin Mass. And any priest that would like to say the Latin Mass, they are to be given permission as soon as they request it. So uh, that's some good news. So that's some positive news. And the problem yeah. is Amen. that there is no unity in the, in the implementation of this, uh, of this motu proprio. So you have people who are like Bishop Paprocki, and you're probably going to get a number of those bishops, like Bishop Strickland. Um, and I'm sure there's going to be others. But then you also have the many, many dioceses that are cracking down on the Latin Mass and trying to get rid of it. That's a problem. The other issue is that we really have not yet seen the ramifications of the motu proprio. <clears throat> what do I mean? 
But what I mean is that these, the motor proprio, a lot of dioceses have said that they're going to hold on. They're going to wait for a uh, discussion with other bishops. They're going to wait to see what uh, each other and, this, and neighboring dioceses are doing. And then they're going to act because they want to try to present a unified front. The problem with that is a lot of people, a lot of bishops have been saying they're going to wait for the bishop's conference to make a decision. If the bishop conference makes a decision, well, there are a lot of movers and shakers in the bishop's office that can cause a lot of problems. So it's kind of it's kind of concerning. And the other problem that many people have not been talking about is what does this exactly mean for the Anglican ordinariate? Because if it says that the Novus Ordo Mise, the no, the new order of the Mass, hmm. is the unique expression of the Roman Rite, well, what yes, does that mean for point. the ordinariate Mass? What does that mean for the Dominican Rite Mass? What does that mean for the Carmelite Rite Mass? What does that mean for the Ambrosian Rite Mass? Yes. All these Masses that are uh, wrapped up with the Roman Rite, what does that mean for these communities? We don't know. And the problem is a lot of people are scared to uh, send in a dubia to the Holy Father because they're scared that they're going to get a negative response or <laughs> Do they're they going to get no response at all. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah. what's to be scared of? Don't worry about it. Nobody will respond to you. It's completely <laughs> fine. That might you be could, better in this situation, to be honest. <laughs> you could send a dubia all you like. Nobody's going to even respond There's to that it. that meme of, of a skeleton. It's like me still waiting for a uh, for response for the dubia. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, 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 there's a lot of fascinating questions, you know, about all of this. Even if you're, do you don't go to the TLM, even if you're, you know, you go to a standard Nova Soto parish, I still think you ought to be concerned, uh, because some of the questions behind what's driving this, uh, ought to concern every Catholic everywhere. And as you bring up, uh, what, like, why point out, why, why single in on the traditional Latin Mass, uh, and then ignore all the other, uh, you know, forms of the Mass that are, exist within the Roman right. Um, and what does all of that mean? I think that's part of the conversation that needs to continue on. If unity is the goal, it seems like this is going in the opposite direction, and that could be bad for, for Holy Mother Church. But we're going to go to break. We're going to come back. Breaking news and stories. And Kevin Wells and Aloysius Schwartz is coming up next. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. How many times have you heard someone say that they don't like the Catholic Church because it's so dogmatic? Well, G.K. Chesterton says, You cannot live without dogmas. You cannot act for 24 hours without making a decision based on some deeply held belief that you cannot prove. Man can be defined as an animal that makes dogmas. Trees have no dogmas. Turnips are singularly broad-minded. In truth, there are only two kinds of people. Those who accept dogmas and know it, and those who accept dogmas and don't know it. So when someone objects to the Catholic Church for being too dogmatic, it only means that they are dogmatic against it, even though they have no idea what their own dogmas are. Want more than a minute? Visit us at chesterton.org. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time. I'm Janale, and here are your headline news. 
Lots of headlines today. India's excess deaths during pandemic up to 4.9 million, study shows. Weekend violence in Chicago leaves at least 11 dead and 45 injured. Anti-COVID protests erupt. Over 100,000 march across France over vaccine passport rollout. Russian tanks deploy near Afghan border before drills in Central Asia. Britain to permanently deploy two warships in Asian waters. TPS urge for Guatemalans. Advocates say conditions in country are dire. China's port city, Qingdao, suffers worst algae infestation. Trans individuals sue Montana over proof of sex change requirement to amend birth certificates. State of emergency at Lake Powell. Fears of hydroelectric water shutoffs increasing. White House is in the process of emptying Guantanamo Bay with goal to close prison. Canada to admit vaccinated U.S. tourists after more than 16 months. South Korea leaders apologize for a Navy ship COVID-19 outbreak amid vaccine furore. Priest who is San Diego icon for his ministry to homeless dies at age 80. Police investigate destruction of two statues that stood outside a church. Reported by the Crooks, two religious statues displayed outside Our Lady of Mercy Catholic Church in the New York borough of Queens was destroyed in an act of vandalism in the early morning hours of July 17th. The damaged statues included one of Mary and one of St. Therese de Sue, known as the Little Flower. A news release from the Diocese of Brooklyn said that the statues were dragged 180 feet from the church across 70th Avenue, where they were smashed with a hammer. Earlier in the week, in the evening of July 14th, the statues were toppled over but were not damaged, the diocese said. The individual involved in both acts of vandalism is believed to be the same person. In other news, Norwegian women's beach handball team fined for wearing shorts instead of bikini bottoms. Sponsors to miss opening ceremony as more athletes catch virus. Jeff Bezos, world's richest man, set for inaugural space voyage. And Maine could be the first state to declare food cultivation a constitutional right. And those are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a good Tuesday. Praise be to God in all things. I also want to thank GloryAndShine.com for generously sponsoring a portion of our program this morning. GloryAndShine.com, Catholic family owned and operated. They make uh, these uh, personal health care products like uh, soaps and lotions and beard care and all this other stuff. It's, uh, it's how they implement the Catholic faith in that that makes it incredibly beautiful. Uh, and we're generous. Uh, we're very grateful for their generosity. GloryAndShine.com. Thank you for that. Uh, joining us right now via Zoom chat all the way from Maryland is uh, Kevin Wells, former Major League Baseball writer uh, and award-winning journalist and now an incredible author of a couple of books, one, The Priest We Need to Save the Church, and also this new one, uh, Priest and Beggar, The Heroic Life of the Venerable Aloysius Schwartz. Good morning to you, Kevin. Hey, good morning, Joe. Great to be back on. Yeah, praise be to God. It's good to have you. Uh, Aloysius Schwartz, um, probably somebody most Catholics probably have uh, got pictures on their wall. They probably know very much uh, about uh, Aloysius Schwartz. Have you been writing about uh, sort of the uh, the obscure saint for very long? I mean, do you always look for like the most obscure names possible? How did you come across Alo- Aloysius Schwartz? And tell us all about this guy. Joe, I'm, I'm going to venture to say that 99% <laughs> of your viewers, have, uh, listeners have never heard of Aloysius Schwartz. I I um, it's it's really this simple. I as you had mentioned, I'd written the book 
the priest we needed to save the church a few years ago, and in its aftermath, a married couple came up to me, and, we said, and they said, we know who it is. We know who that priest is. And they, and they mentioned this astonishing man from Washington, D.C. And I had always heard of him over the years because I'm from the area. But when they handed me some reading material, um, I said, man, I, I've just studied for my book the lives of John Vianney, Bosco, Neary, Colby, Damon the Leper. And what I had read in the life of Aloysius Schwartz, I had never read before. It was like a like a white whale on the open sea, just broad and mighty and flabbergasting what he had accomplished for the humiliated and abandoned. And, and, I, and I'll venture to say that I don't believe a single man, a single priest in the history of the church has done for the orphan and humiliated as what Venerable Aldit has done. You know, uh, um, one thing I find very fascinating, I've not read your book, and I do. I have heard of the story of Venerable Aloysius Swartz um, because you and I have somebody in, in common uh, uh, in regards to the, the Venerable Aloysius Swartz, and that's Monsignor Golosinski. Um, he, uh, when I, uh, he was one of my pastors and, uh, incredible guy, a, a man, I, I don't know how old he is. He's gotta be 80 something, but, uh, he, sharp as attack. His mind is so sharp and he actually knew, uh, Venerable Aloysius Swartz personally and got to, uh, witness to this man's life and his heroic life. And, uh, that was somebody you tapped into in order to be able to write this book, right? Golosinski is a stud. He's a cowboy <laughs> stud. Uh, he, he, uh, I knew I had a good source, Joe, when I, when, I, when I found him. He was the only one of the five priests that entered into post-war Korea with Father Al. You know, it was a land of devastation. It was just mm-hmm. a dystopian novel. And Goloskinski raises his hand and says, hey, Father Al, do you mind if I come to Korea? So, yeah, come on down. The other four just left right away. They said, I can't do it. Golosinski stood by his side for 10 years. And he said to me, hey, Kevin, you don't, you don't understand. Everyone says that. Father Al sort of modeled his life off of St. Vincent de Paul and Louise de Marillac. I'm here to tell you that I stood by him for 10 years and what he accomplished mm. exceeded what de Paul did. Wow. He was the boldest man I had ever known and the boldest man I ever will know. He feared no one. Now, I find this fascinating because uh, stories like this, you, we we tend to hear from you know four or five centuries ago, um, or even you know two hundred years ago. It, most of the more recent stories that they don't take the same kind of flavor as uh, as Aloysius Schwartz seems to have. And this is at a, at a time when the Mary Knowles, for instance, were wildly popular for sending missionaries all over the world, and yet he himself didn't join the Mary Knowles. Tell us about that. Well, the saints act differently. They don't care what anyone else does. And, <laughs> and, and as you know, Joe, you know, the Mary Nullers were the, you know, they were the kingpins. They were the ones, they were the missionaries that went to Africa. Yes. The Philippines. And Father Al, as he was being formed by them, um, he said, this is phony. And I'll just be candid. He said, it's phony because although the Mary Nullers will go to the poor and nothing against that, you know, they go to the far reaches of, 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 the, of the world. When they return after a full day of service, they return to places of comfort, comfortable bedding, AC, maybe a TV, some radios. He said, that's phony. Until the poor understand that the missionary becomes them and lives like them and lives with them, they will always be considered as phony or half measures. So he Hmm. said he became the first Marinoler in formation in the history of America to say, I'm leaving you. Wow. Wow. 
And it's uh, amazing that, because I, it's really shocking because we think of uh, poverty among the religious and we kind of have this idea that the, uh, the priests are actually living lives of poverty, but we rarely actually see that to be true. Could you speak about wh- how he can model, especially for religious as priests these days and even secular priests, how to live a life of poverty? Well, well, Adrian, it's all a choice. So, so Father Al made a choice. Can I serve the poor all day long and go home and sleep on a, on a king-size bed and have three squares and, and, and be like the, uh, the rich young man who turned away from Jesus because he wasn't willing to pick up the cross daily and follow? Or am I going to live like Jesus, the starved man from the cross who bled out? And Father Al said, well, that's easy. I'm going to live like Jesus because he wanted to be a saint. Uh, he's on the path to canonization in the church, and I believe he'll become a saint soon. Yeah, obviously, the Holy Spirit determines this because he made a choice to live in poverty. So it wasn't some social justice work. He understood that he needed to pray. He prayed three to five hours every day. In Korea, he lived in a condemned shack, no comfort, no electricity, no plumbing, no running water, because he knew he needed to absorb the poverty of Christ, sort of sleeping outdoors in Nazareth. 2,000 years ago, to understand the discomfiture, and then he could understand what it was to live poor so he could serve the poor properly. So, so he took on every measure of poverty, uh, rejection, humiliation, discomfort, little food, terrible housing, and then the poor looked at him like a saint. Kevin Wells is our guest, Priest and Beggar, The Heroic Life of the Venerable Aloysius Schwartz, is the book that he wrote about this man, uh, which is published by Ignatius Press, by the way. Um, and I think they're running a sale, if I'm not mistaken, on their website, so you can check it out, The Priest and Beggar, The Heroic Life of the Venerable Aloysius Schwartz. We have about a minute and a half or so before we go to break. Uh, Kevin, one of the things that... Uh, I was reminded of when you were talking about this man's uh, commitment to embrace the difficult, oh my heavens, um, was the Fulton Sheen. Um, Fulton Sheen would often talk about how when he went to see the lepers, I think it was in China, that he was afraid of them. And he was placing these crosses, and he would drop them into their leprous hands because they didn't want to touch their hands. And then watching this crucifix fall into this leprous hand and then fall onto the ground because the person didn't have the ability to grasp it, like, broke his heart. And uh, and he made the decision at that point to uh, to not be so afraid. Uh, it seems like Aloysius Schwartz had no fear from the beginning. Uh, I don't know. how is that? Was he fearless? At the age of eight, Joe, he had read a comic book back in the 1940s, you know, right after the Depression, uh, called The Boy Commandos. And uh, it was four orphans that would travel the world and enter Hitlerville and Naziville. And he said, boy, they step oh. into chaos. I wonder if priests can do the same. So from the age of eight. He Hold that thought. Hold that thought. Kevin Wells, that music means we've got to go to a break. We're going to come right back. Kevin Wells is our guest. And we'll start with the uh, the Boy Commandos and how that influenced him. And all that and more coming up after this very short break of the life of the venerable Aloysius Schwartz. Don't go anywhere. Joy during Lent? St. Benedict thinks so. One Minute Monk, Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey. There are two times when St. Benedict uses the word joy in his rule. Believe it or not, they are in the chapter on the observance of Lent. What message is he trying to send us? Since Lent is a preparation for Easter, the first message is that faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ ought to be a source of abiding confidence and joy in our life. 
No matter what trials we face, we have already overcome them in a certain way in Christ. The second is that fidelity to a life of integrity that corresponds with our faith is the only way to peace and joy in life. For your free copy of The Rule of St. Benedict, visit OneMinuteMonk.com. O-N-E MinuteMonk.com We know Lent as a time of special discipline and attention to our Christian life. St. Benedict sees Lent as an opportunity for joy in the Holy Spirit. Do we have that kind of joy in our life? Hi, Joe McLean here, host of the Catholic Drive Time, heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of the Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations. Real Estate for Life offers their clients a faith-based experience. Real Estate for Life is online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Kevin Wells is our guest. He's a former Major League Baseball writer and uh, now Catholic speaker and author of The Priest and Beggar, The Heroic Life of the Venerable Aloysius Swartz. And before we went to break, you were telling us about uh, how uh, this young priest was influenced through comic books, um, which I find fascinating. I've never heard of the Boy Commandos. Tell me about that. Yeah, he didn't care about Superman or the Lone Ranger or Incredible Hulk. He was led to this uh, to this comic book. It was a DC comic. It was popular at the time. It was out for three or four years. And, and there were these four orphan boys that uh, entered the most dangerous places on earth. And he, hmm. and you know, Joe, I don't know about you. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a major league baseball player. And I, and I realized <laughs> when my talent wouldn't, as I got older, my talent wasn't going to sustain that dream. Uh, I just, you know, did went on with myself. Father Al, who wanted to be hero at eight or nine, it just expanded. Um, it's almost like this thing, this pilot light in his soul was flicked on and it just, he did the things necessary to become a hero. He wanted to enter chaos. He knew that if he, he knew that if he didn't enter chaos as a priest, that the chaos would just flourish. So it needed to be solved. And, and I think that's one of the problems we have today, candidly in the priesthood is that priests are, are find it indelicate or uncomfortable to enter into chaos. So it, so it flourishes. Father Al were he alive today, would be entering all these zones of, of societal chaos because he was, he, you're right, Joe, you said it. He was fearless. Your buddy Golosinski said it. He was fearless. Golosinski said he was the boldest man who ever lived. Wow. Speaking of which, so, I mean, I don't want to give out, I, like I said, I've not even read the book myself yet, uh, The Priest and Beggar over at the Ignatius Press, um, but uh, I understand that he, he was caught up in some scandal. Uh, there was a scan, there was a sort of a financial scandal. Nothing new under the sun in the Catholic Church, apparently. Ever since Judas, there's always been a scandal or two. Uh, so there's a scandal that he was involved in as far as finances go. And then, of course, uh, maybe he got rubbed by the local mafia. I mean, tell us about some of those stories. Well, the scan, the financial scandal wasn't his. It was his bishops in Korea that wanted to steal the money that he was, he had gained so much of the American generosity and donations. Uh, that he gave all to the poor, um, I mean, millions of dollars. And meanwhile, remember, he lives in a shack. So the Bishop of Korea started to take the money. So Father Al, this is very interesting to priests nowadays in 2021. Father Al said, you're cut off. Bishop, you're cut off. Um, so, so that 
that was, I guess that's a, a, a rejecting a vow of obedience. I don't know what you want to call it. Um, but Father Al throughout his life, whether it was his own seminary rector, his bishop, even American bishops that wrote the Vatican twice and said, will you take this renegade American bishop in Korea that's taking our money from our side of the street, would you tell him to stop? Well, Father Al, what, what does a bold man do? He flies to the Vatican, hmm. sits down with the Pope's right-hand man and says, how dare they? They don't understand that the people that I'm tending to in this war-devastated landscape where over a million people have died, just because they don't look like Americans and they've never seen them, it doesn't mean they don't have dignity and need for American generosity, too. So, of course, Father Al won that fight, too. And, wow. and I'll just say this, Joe, over and over, and that mafia kingpin that wanted to kill him on these gangs of lepers that used to rub the diseased limbs up against the Sisters of Mary, the order that he founded to, to just persecute Father Al and the sisters, he didn't care because he always said, Mary's mantle is it surrounds me. He consecrated his life to Mary. Wow. wow. That's so beautiful. I had the privilege of, uh, of serving mass under Monsignor Golaninsky many times, and he's uh, he always talks about, about uh, Venerable Al, and he, uh, he would go back to the sacristy and he would talk about his time in Korea. And the thing is, that is so attractive as a young man. That is so attractive to the priesthood. But whenever I was given a tour of a diocesan uh, parishes and the way that you're the average parish priest, and no offense to our parish priest, but they live very comfortably. I walk in and they're playing the PS4, playing video games, watching TV, like, oh, it's my day off. Venerable Al didn't take days off. Monsignor Golninsky, he's uh, retired and and barely functioning, and yet he still serves the people. He still helps the poor. He's still saying mass, um, and that's what's attractive to a, to a lot of young men. That's what's attractive. Could you speak a little bit? I know we're not talking exactly about your book, um, "The Priest We Need to Save the Church," but that kind of reminds me of this. That Venerable Al is the is the priest we need to save the church. Could you speak a little bit about that? Yeah, so St. Thomas Aquinas defined effeminacy as man not taking something on, rather, you know, softening rather when he should stiffen when things are tough. I think one of the greatest problems we have is, is this, this wave of sort of effeminacy where, where men do not want, they, they, they shy away from something that's difficult, that's tough. And we see society now, it's, it's run amok with disorder. God's natural law has been crushed. So Father Al, as I mentioned earlier, Adrian, he, he understood that if he didn't step into the difficult things, which he did his entire priesthood, that they would expand. So I, I do think, um, you know, as a reporter, when I interviewed many dozens of priests from my previous book, The Priests We Need, what I had discovered over and over again was this sense of a lack of fatherhood. It was a fatherlessness that had pervaded our land. And, and you know, we, if you have children, we know this. If our daughter is coming in at two in the morning, well, we're going to wait up. And we're going to make sure that, that we're going to talk to her. And we're going to say, you're on restriction. Or if we get a son who's off the rails because of whatever, well, dad deals with things. So you would think that bishops and priests throughout the land, throughout the world, when things are malformed or disordered, they're going to wait up at two in the morning. They're going to deal with their parishioners. They're going to deal with the problems. And I think the big problem today is that has not happened. Mm-hmm. There's been this sense of effeminacy. I will not step in. I will, I will, I will, I will, I will sort of re-engineer my priesthood where I don't have to take on the burden of my identity, which involves suffering and stepping into things. 
Oh, I think it's worse than that even. I mean, look at the relationship between bishop and priest in major archdiocese. You'll hear that that relationship feels a lot like uh, corporate America. It is, uh, you know, the CEO and the employee type of relationship. And I imagine, I mean, look at this latest document that came out of uh, the Moto Proprio that sort of is forcing the hands of bishops all over the, all over the world to deal with an issue that the vast majority had no issue with and in their diocese. And now all of a sudden they they're, they got their their marching orders from the Vatican and now they're dealing with things. And so that that relationship has sort of become sanitized and not uh, not father-son. And I think that that is a, a crisis within the church and I think that's exemplified now uh, in the life of uh, the Venerable Aloysius Schwartz. So with about uh, four minutes left in, the, in our conversation here, maybe we could fast forward to... to uh, so w- I know he, he did get contract ALS and, and struggled through that, but what were some of the fruits of his life? What, what did he accomplish with this uh, incredible spirit of tenacity and, and, uh, and perseverance through difficult, uh, difficulties that he faced? Well, Joe, that's, that's the greatest story. So that's the real story, what's going on today on July 20, 2020. Uh, we'll just start with ALS. So he contracted ALS in 1989, and I don't know about you, but if, but if I get Lou Gehrig's disease, I'm slowing down knowing I only have three years to live. Instead, Father Al left Korea and the Philippines, which he re-engineered and, and added, uh, I think, 16,000 children in these boys' towns and girls' towns. And he wow. said, Mary, you call me to Mexico. So he, he goes to Mexico in a wheelchair and says it's time to bring the Juan Diegos back to uh, Mexico. Because at that point, Mexicans were becoming Protestantized, evangelized. They were le- mm. losing the faith altogether because of crushing poverty. And Father Al felt compelled to bring back the faith. So he built his first girl's town as his body was fading away in the grip of ALS. And then wow. there's a boy's town. And the greatest thing is this. The Sisters of Mary, the order of nuns that he founded in Korea, they said, Father Al, this is where you will vanish. This is where you will die. But we've got it. They took the baton. And they built boys' towns and girls' towns in Guatemala, Honduras, Brazil. Now they're in Tanzania. And as we speak today, there's over 20,000 children, the poorest of the poor, orphans, those being human trafficked, sold into slavery, MS-13 converts. They're brought into these Catholic uh, paradises, these these humble resurrection of boys' towns and girls' towns where kids are sent out, changed into the world as authentically Catholic. So the greatest part of Father Al Schwartz is obviously his heroic and saintly life, but it's what's going on today. Mm. Are the are the boys' towns and girls' towns in Korea still there? Yes, Korea. They're in seven different countries. There's 16 boys' towns and girls' towns throughout the world. And, and Joe, I'll tell you, I'm going to be candid. I've been, I've spent a month down there to research Father Al's life. Not only are they saving the poorest of the poor from the most dangerous villages, Carrera, Veracruz, whatever town throughout the world, but they're saving the Catholic Church in a sense because mm. after these kids are catechized, nourished, clothed, fed, sports, everything, everything they, the sisters bring them back to life, almost like Lazarus is pulled from the tomb. They go back out into the world, to universities, to their old villages, and to workplaces as full-bore, authentic Catholics who've been saved. You can just imagine Lazarus, when Lazarus is saved by Jesus, you know, he probably had a, a new lease on life and he changed somewhat. Well, well, every day it's thousands of kids are shot out into the world as Catholics. Wow. Wow. Praise be to God. 
Well, we are just about out of time. Kevin Wells has been our guest. His book is The Priest and Beggar, The Heroic Life of the Venerable Aloysius Schwartz. It is published by Ignatius Press, so I encourage you to check it out there. I'm sure you can find it on Amazon or whatever, but uh, maybe buy it from the publisher directly. It'd be kind of a good idea. Uh, Ignatius.com is their website. Kevin, thanks for being on with us today and sharing the heroic life of this incredible man. Joe, you were generous to have me on. Thank you very much. Yeah, praise be to God. We look forward to having you back soon. Kevin Wells, uh, do you have a website, Kevin? Yeah, uh, kevinwells.org. And Joe, I'd also encourage folks to check out what's going on with the Sisters of Mary at worldvillages.org. Worldvillages.org. We'll do that. All right. God bless you, Kevin. Have a great day. And that is going to do it for the first hour of our program today. Uh, we're very grateful for Kevin being on the program. Hopefully, we'll be able to get back to something feeling a little bit more normal by the end of this week, uploading our individual interview segments to our, our YouTube, to our Catholic Drive Time YouTube channel. That hasn't happened in over a week now. So uh, that, that channel's been taking a major hit. So we're hopefully going to get that back up and running. Uh, the sickness thing has just been no fun. But uh, we, we prayerfully will be back in the studio tomorrow for a regular first hour of Catholic Drive Time. So we're looking forward to having you on with us, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Uh, but in the meantime, if you can join us for the second hour of our program today, for those of you who are able to do so, we have the game show, and it's going to be a lot of fun. You can find us online, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. God love you, and God bless you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Why do Catholics call Mary the Queen of Heaven? Doesn't God rebuke the Israelites in the Old Testament for worshiping a false goddess called the Queen of Heaven? Should we not refer to Mary with that title, therefore, since it's a title of a false god? In Jeremiah 7, verse 18, God is indeed upset with the Israelites for worshiping a false goddess called the Queen of Heaven. However, just because God rebuked them for worshiping the false Queen of Heaven doesn't mean that we cannot pay honor to the true Queen of Heaven, the Blessed Mother. That type of thinking would lead you to believe that just because people worship a false god that they call God, we therefore should not call the true God by that same name, God, because that's the same name the idolaters use for their God. That is faulty logic and it makes no sense whatsoever. Again, the fact that there is a false queen of heaven does not lead to the conclusion that we worship a false goddess when we call Mary the queen of heaven. Just as the fact that there is a false god does not lead to the conclusion that we worship a false god when we call our Father in heaven God. And there is a true queen of heaven. We see this quite clearly in Revelation 12 verse 1. And a great portent appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. Let's see. There's a woman. She's in heaven. And she has a crown on her head. I could be wrong, but I don't think that's the cleaning lady. No, it's the true Queen of Heaven, Mary, the mother of the male child who is to rule the nations. We do not worship Mary, we honor her just as Jesus honors her. So there is absolutely nothing wrong from a scriptural point of view in calling Mary the Queen of Heaven and in honoring her just as Jesus honors her. After all, if Jesus is the King, then Mary is truly the Queen Mother of Heaven. 
a beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. GloryandShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryandShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryandShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, GloryandShine.com. Thank you again. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. Good morning. We just wrapped up a great conversation with Kevin Wells on his book, The Priest and Beggar, The Heroic Life of the Venerable Aloysius Schwartz. Good conversation. Very inspirational. Praise be to Jesus. Um, This hour is going to be a fun hour. We're going to, of course, cover our good news stories with Janelle here in a moment. And then we're going to have the Saint of the Day and Gospel of the Day. And then we'll play Fear and Trembling our Catholic, Catholic trivia game show where prizes are involved. And we have a sponsor this week giving out uh, prizes uh, from Bead After Bead by Dolce over on Etsy. And we're very grateful for their generous support of our program, making it fun to give you, our listeners, some cool stuff. And that opportunity comes up at 15 past the hour. So stand by to win or to be a part of it anyway. You can find the rules, the phone number, everything listed on our website. If you'd like to call early, you can at uh, GRN on online.com forward slash cdt and then of course in uh, the second half of this hour we do what we call an after show where we conversate with you about whatever it is you want to talk about you get to drive that conversation in the uh, social feed so it's going to be on facebook youtube twitter even on our website by the way you can watch live in the grn online.com forward slash cdt good morning to you janelle good morning mr joe praise be to god it was good to get kevin on Yes, it was a great talk. I got to learn more about uh, Father Schwartz. So it was super interesting stuff. I would like to um, hopefully read his book sometime. <laughs> Have you ever heard of Schwartz before? I Aloysius had not. Schwartz? Actually, yeah. I had not. But that was it was great to learn about it. I love the fact that we, uh, we're, we're always learning something new about uh, incredible Catholics uh, in our patrimony of the church that we'd never heard of before. That's what I, I love about the, the sort of the, uh, the saints, the lives of saints and venerables and, and blesseds. We just learned so much that we didn't have, we haven't the slightest clue. And, uh, and I love that part. But uh, speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here. Good morning to you, Adrian. Speaking of incredible people in the patrimony of the church. Um, wow, thanks, Joe. Much appreciated. Sure. I feel, yes. I feel very loved today. Wow. Let's go with it's that. It's good to be here. It's good let's, to be let's, here. Let's go with that. And you know, I was looking at their website, the worldvillages.org, the sisters, and yeah. I'm blown away. I'm just like contemplating pulling out my credit card right now and just <laughs> donating all my money to these beautiful really? sisters wow. that are sacrificing so much for these children. It's it's so beautiful. It's absolutely Praise wonderful. Be Praise be to God. Praise be to God. He's got like a video of him hanging out at one of their uh, school, their their sort of their villages, and uh, there was had to have been a few thousand kids there. Pretty amazing, pretty amazing. I wonder if they'll let me just like 
help them volunteer there. I, I wonder. Go for it. I think you ought to uh, take the next ship out of the Galveston port and make your way down south and and then check in with us and let us know how things are going. Yeah, that'd be awesome. (laughs) Speaking of awesome, David uh, Magianis is here with us again today. Good morning to you, David. Uh, Good morning, Joe. Thank you for that uh, compliment. Uh, You're welcome. uh, uh, It was uh, intriguing for me to hear about uh, Kevin Wells because he's a former Major League Baseball writer. So I know we never have enough time to interview our guests, but I would have liked to ask a couple questions about that. So maybe next time. Why? I mean, what could be interesting about Major League Baseball? Ooh. Uh, <laughs> Joe. Okay. Another That's segment, another time. Uh, America's baseball uh, is the uh, pastime of America. I don't think it's true anymore, though. That's what they claim. That's what they I mean, claim. of course that's what they claim because they're holding on to the glory days. Okay. But I mean, how many is baseball still? I mean, obviously soccer is the number one sport. <laughs> clearly, clearly. Uh, our, look, see, look at the the gleam in Adrian's eye when I mentioned the word soccer. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like that doesn't happen with baseball anymore. I guess. I guess. But uh, around the globe, yes, soccer. <laughs> yes. Oh uh, well, praise be to God. I guess I'm a little biased. I don't really follow sports all that much anymore. But uh, it would be soccer, apparently. We should accept <laughs> soccer. We should get. Uh, it'd be interesting to have a conversation with people like uh, Kevin Wells, somebody you know, obviously a big sports fan. Um, to you know, the sports has changed so much, right? In the la- just in the last five, ten years, let alone the last couple of decades. Uh, it's so commercialized, so politicized. You know, I I, I have to believe that even me- diehard sports fans are are wearing thin from from all of the craziness that goes on around the sports and it kind of sort of steals the, the the mystique around sports the drive the sort of the attractiveness that many sports fans have had and uh I'm, i'd be curious to get his take on that maybe we'll have to have him back just to conversate about that bring me back too i'd like to talk to him too so all right yeah we, we, maybe we can arrange that what do you mean bring you back you're getting up early every day now. <laughs> got you've promoted. joined the one percent of humanity that has drive i got it gets you. out of bed early gotcha yes congratulations you're welcome by the way <laughs> um you know before that what was your life like i mean really if we could be honest here maybe we should interview your wife yeah let's move how has your husband changed now that he gets up <laughs> crack of dawn let's move on <laughs> <laughs> let's just move on he said all right all right we're gonna move on we're gonna pray now and uh then we'll jump into the the good news segment with janelle lay so whatever's on your heart whatever your needs are of course praying for the team here uh, looking forward to getting back in the studio and getting things back on track here for the show. But whatever your needs are, dear listener, we're going to include those in our prayer to Our Lady, Queen of Heaven and Earth. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now the good news with Janelle Lay. Democratic New York state lawmaker denied communion over his pro-abortion vote. Pope Francis to visit Slovakia during important anniversary year for Ruthenian Catholics. French Poster Institute study shows how well ivermectin can treat COVID-19 infection. Ontario Premier says no to mandatory COVID jabs and vaccine passports. Catholic anti-slavery network in Australia becomes model for business. 
And from the Catholic World Report, Meet Our Lady of Cabejo, the only approved Marian apparition in Africa. There is only one Vatican-approved Marian apparition that took place on the African continent, Our Lady of Cabejo. From 1981 to 1989, there were reports of Marian apparitions in Cabejo, Rwanda. While the local bishop, Augustin Misago of Ginkaro, approved public devotion to the apparitions in 1988, it wasn't until 2001 that he and the Holy See declared the testimonies of three witnesses authentic regarding apparitions that began in 1981 and that continued in the months that followed through 1983. Immaculate Bigaza, the author of the book Our About Our Lady of Cabejo, told EWTN News In-Depth on July 9th that Mary was asking Catholics to say the rosary, come back to God, and be sincere. She is such a mother, Immaculate added. She comes as a teacher, as a mother to teach her children. So if you listen to her, you're on a good path. Ili Bigaza is perhaps best known for her biography, Left to Tell, Discovering God Amidst the Rwandan Holocaust, where she documented her survival of the Rwandan genocide that took place in 1994. She lived, she said, because of her faith. What I want people to learn from my story is the power of prayer, she said. The power of coming close to God and honestly, genuinely live your faith. And listen to Our Lady. Our Lady appeared in Rwanda Cabejo and she told us to say the rosary from your heart. Our Lady appeared in 1981 in a school, a high school she began. It was one of the poorest schools in the country. Our Lady first appeared to a girl named Alphonsine Mumakuri when she was serving other kids, Ilibigazas explained. Mimikuri, now a nun in Italy, told Immaculate, Remember the first message of Our Lady. She could have chosen to appear to me when I was in a chapel praying the rosary, but she chose me to come to me when I was serving. Immaculate said the number one message of Our Lady is service. Serve one another, go out and help other people. The next person Our Lady appeared to is the nicest, very calm lady in the whole school, Immaculate said. Then she chose a third person because people refused to believe in her visits. But the third person, the choice is so funny, Immaculate stressed. She was the head of the crew of other students who were persecuted in there. Our Lady gave Mary Claire one big message, the message of the Rosary of the Seven Sorrows. Our Lady gave her the Rosary of the Seven Sorrows to help her spread it to the whole world, Immaculate said. The poor thing, one time she said, Mother, you want me to teach the whole world the Seven Sorrows Rosary? And she said, I don't even have the money to go to the next city. How do you expect me to teach the whole world? According to Immaculate, Our Lady replied, My child, my grace can do all things. You just do your part. I have many children in the world. You just do your part, and the grace of a God will take it to the next person. Our Lady of Cabejo, pray for us. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm Janelle Lay. God love you, and have a good Tuesday. The saint of the day is Blessed Rita Josefa Pujalte y Sanchez. She was born on the 18th of February in 1853 in Alicante, Spain. She was a nun and a member of the Sisters of Charity of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, as was her sister, Lucia. On this recommendation, the recommendation of the order's founder, Rita was chosen as the superior of the sisters in 1900. She served in that position for 28 years and started the schools for girls, especially in the poorest areas. And she was known for her care for the sick, especially fellow sisters. Retiring to the, to the St. Susana convent in Madrid, Spain, she worked with the convent's college, and in the persecution of the Spanish Civil War, many fled. But Rita 
being 83 years old and nearly blind, stays to care for orphans and those in the hospital. Grabbed by an anti-Christian revolutionary while she was in prayer in chapel, she was taken out of Madrid and executed. She died by being shot on the, at 3.30 p.m. on the 20th of July, 1936 in Canjeles, Madrid, Spain. Her body was exhumed and found incorrupt in 1940 and was beatified on the 10th of May, 1998 by Pope John Paul II. Blessed Rita, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 12, verses 46 through 50. While Jesus was speaking to the crowds, his mother and his brothers appeared outside, wishing to speak with him. Someone told him, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside asking to speak with you. But he said in reply to the one who told him, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Heavenly Father is my brother and sister and mother. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, uh, whoever does the will of my Father. <laughs> not whoever says, whoever believes, you know, it's just not, uh, it's not a simple act of faith. I, well, I believe and that's all I ever have to do. That once, once, uh, saved, always saved notion of, of, uh, faith only, right? No. It is more than that. It is faith in connection with an action. And that action is obeying the will of God. And it's because Our Lady obeys perfectly. It is not her biological connection. It is her fiat that gives her such a unique and special role. She is the perfect disciple. Unlike you and me, she does not falter. In fact, Augustine talks about uh, how she is free from the stain of all sin. Augustine was pretty powerful this morning. So was Gregory the Great. And all of the early church fathers really point out that to be a disciple, to be the mother, the sisters of our brother, is to say yes to God and to preach that to the whole world. Adrian, what did you find? Yes, there's a lot here as well. And uh, let me just focus on one thing. Cornelius Lapide talks about the spiritual aspect of this passage. You talked about the literal aspect of the passage. So let me talk about the spiritual aspect. And he says, Cornelius Lapide says, spiritually, as I have already said, not carnally, he speaks of brothers and sisters. The faithful soul is also the mother of Christ. Now, you might be thinking right now, like, okay, how on earth is a faithful soul the mother of Christ? Well, he's speaking spiritually in a way, because what does he mean? He said, in bringing forth, in, by teaching, exhorting, and counseling, you bring forth Christ and, uh, in yourself and in others. And in that way, you become a mother of Christ, because you are bringing forth Christ, just as Our Lady brought forth Christ physically, carnally, but also spiritually, we too may participate in that very same action by teaching, preaching, exhorting, counseling, and the like. He goes on and says, quote, we must know that he who is the brother and sister of Christ through believing is made his mother by preaching, for he, as it were, brings forth the Lord whom he infuses into the heart of his hearer. So this is very important. Our Lord desires for us to bring him to others, to give birth to him in the souls of others. How do we do this? By teaching, preaching, exhorting, counseling. These are the actions that our Lord desires for us to do.
Amen. Praise be to God. You know, uh, preaching is an important part. Uh, this is also something St. Gregory talked about. This is how you become the disciple, by preaching it, by putting that word in the hearts of others. I just love that. So praise be to God. All right. It is time for us to play Fear and Trembling. And so we're looking for our contestant to jump on a phone line to play the game with us. The good news is you don't need to know the answers to still win our game. So it's still a lot of fun. The phone number is 877 757 is the phone number at 877-757-9424 call right now play our game at 877-757-9424 we'll be right back can we be happy without God? atheists say yes we Christians say yes but only to a certain extent what's our reason? There are some natural human desires that can be satisfied without living for God. The desire for sensory pleasure, success, and loving relationships. There are certain desires, however, that can't be satisfied without God. For example, we don't just desire some love, we desire infinite love, love without limit. This is manifest when we get frustrated with imperfect manifestations of it. The same is true for knowledge, justice, and beauty. Since God alone is infinite in these perfections, only He can satisfy our desires for them. Therefore, to borrow from St. Augustine, without God, our hearts would be forever restless. And my friends, a restless heart is an unhappy heart. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers. Catholic.com day when each of us will be asked to review the movie of our life and give an account to God. We will sorrowfully relive the bad times and joyfully revisit the good. Thankfully, no matter what you've done, there is hope. Since Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save it. So if you've been away from church for a while, we invite you to come home and find the peace that only comes from God. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please do me a favor and do not share with anyone what I'm about to tell you. Okay, so keep this just between us. But there are a few things we like to do during our Catholic Trivia Game segment. Uh, number one, we like to teach the faith. And so we look for questions that can teach us a little bit about the faith. That's something we didn't know before, and we're always learning something new. Praise be to God. We like to have fun. And our contestants uh, tend to be a lot of fun, hanging out with us, laughing with us, and uh, having a good time, and we really enjoy that part. And then, of course, we like to give out prizes, which kind of makes it a winner for everybody involved. But if you're just joining us and you're brand new here, first of all, welcome. We're glad you're here. Praise be to God. But we have uh, three questions, just so you know. So we have three questions. We do not ask our caller the questions, so they do not need to know the answers to these questions to be able to win our game. And the reason is because I ask Janelle, and today, for the last time, I guess, I'll ask David, and one of them will be right, the other will be wrong, 
and the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Who do they trust more, Janelle or David? And then every they'll have 15 seconds to make a decision, and then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. What could they win, Janelle? They can win an 8 by 10 print of the participant's choice and a leather cord bracelet of the Miraculous Medal. So thank you so much, Beat After Beat by Dulce. Um, it's a company based in Dallas, Texas. You will find simple yet elegant Catholic rosaries, jewelry, and original art prints all handmade with love. Um, mm. So thank you so much. God love you. Um, and we're super excited about today's game show. Thank you so much. Yeah, praise be to God. All right. Uh, for everybody who tried to call in today, thank you again. We're very grateful. We love it when uh, people try to be a part of the game show. If you don't get on today, call back tomorrow. Phone number's listed on the website. But let's go to the phone lines. Billy, good morning to you. Thanks for being a part of our show. Good morning. Praise be to God, Billy. Where are you calling from? Calling from Plano, Texas. Plano, Texas. Very, very nice. Uh, where do you go to church there? St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. St. Elizabeth and Seton in Plano. I think I haven't been to that church in, since 2010 or something. It's been a long time. Praise be to God. Now, uh, you are you familiar with the game show? Do you know how the rules are played? Yes. All right, so you know then. Okay, pop quiz. Who's trickier? This whole last week, has it been David? Has it been Janelle? Who do you think's trickier? I think Janelle is. Really? <laughs> wow. Wow. Are you saying a lot of listeners give her a pass because she's a female, but you're calling her out live on the radio? <laughs> I just I just think she's she's a lot more uh she's got a lot more information so she can go either way. Ah, <laughs> I see how that works. <laughs> tricky Janelle, tricky Janelle. Well, okay, secret information here. She's been picking the questions since I've been out of the office, so <sighs> these could be tricky questions from Tricky, tricky Janelle. Maybe tomorrow Adrian will come back and, and balance the, the force, yes. so to speak, uh, the space-time continuum. But let's play the game. If you're ready to go, Billy, are you ready? Ready. Janelle, we'll start with you. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you sure? Yes, I am. Are you sure? I'm ready. Okay. Janelle, can you tell me, who is the patron saint of athletes? Of athletes? Of athletes. Why, that's St. Sebastian. Okay, pretty straightforward. Yeah. That's the guy who got shot with arrows? Yeah, yeah. He was, I think, a Roman soldier, and um, mm-hmm. he became a Christian, and yeah. he died uh, because uh, he got okay. shot by a bunch of arrows. All right, let's see what uh, David has to say. David's a sports guy. He should know this. Uh, David, can you tell me? Who is the patron saint of athletes? Yes, Joe. Uh, so Saint Sebastian. Yeah, that that's a that's a good answer, you know. But mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna go with Saint Michael. Saint Michael of Jordan. <laughs> Sorry, I'm morning allergies. Saint, did you get that one? Did you get okay, it? Okay. So uh, your answer. Yes. Saint Michael. Of Jordan, uh, you know Jordan's a famous, famous country. You know, so is it? Yes, I mean, of course. I mean, I'm, they spit out saints left and right. Uh huh. Anything to do with goats? I'm just curious. Um, <laughs> Good one. <laughs> okay, so uh, Billy, let me just summarize for you. David is on the hook for Saint Michael of Jordan, and uh, Janelle is on the hook for Saint Sebastian. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Billy, what say you? 
I'm going to go with Janelle. Survey says... <laughs> Where's my dub button? There you go. Duh. <laughs> I missed my dub button. I can't wait to get back to the dub button. <laughs> Billy, you weren't fooled by that, right? I thought I had him. I thought I had him. St. Michael of Jordan. That Jordan's okay. a famous place, but I went with Janelle. Yeah. <laughs> never heard of a saint michael of it's not a real saint <laughs> the goat the goat don't tell lebron james i said that by the way uh too late mm, he, he knows he's very sensitive about that <laughs> all right well done billy you are in the coffee cup of divine providence uh, no fool in you let's see if we can get this next question though um we're gonna go to david david can you tell me what is the 12th station of the cross the 12th station of the cross I'm going to go with Jesus dies on the cross uh, Jesus mm. dies on the cross uh, final, okay. la- final answer Joe final answer Okay. let's see what Janelle has to say Janelle can you tell me mm-hmm. what is the 12th station of the cross the 12th station of the cross well there are 14 stations of the cross if I remember correctly mm-hmm. and so I'm going to say that the 12th station of the cross is Veronica wipes the face of Jesus wow yes hmm so a lot happens between there and oh yeah station number 14 <laughs> action packed <laughs> action packed wow <laughs> praise be to God alright so let me summarize here Janelle is on the hook as the 12th station being Veronica wipes the face of Jesus and David is on the hook for Jesus dies on the cross as the 12th station 15 seconds on the clock who's right who's wrong Billy what say you I'm going to go with David. With David. I like wow. that. David. Nice. accent there. Woo-hoo. Survey says, well done. Well done. Well, cool. Duh. <laughs> I mean, like, the last two stations, Janelle, are just going to be like, I know. Totally <laughs> summarized. <laughs> like, a lot happens. Yeah, obviously. yeah. Yes. If Veronica okay. wipes the, the face of Jesus is actually the sixth station of the cross. Wow, I see what so, you divided that by two. I see where yes. you went with that. But I, I also, um, I found out over the weekend that Veronica is actually not her real name. What? Ver- yeah, Veronica. Scandalous. <laughs> Veronica is um, the Latin prefix of veritas, which is true, and ica, which means icon. So it means true icon. Yeah. So pretty cool. Although there is a tradition that suggests she was the wife of Joseph of Arimathea. Oh, Hmm. One of the chief sponsors and the guy who provided the sepulcher. Pretty cool. Um, anyway, there you go, Billy. Well done. You are in the coffee cup of divine providence twice now. You could seriously win the game, but how do you feel so far? I'm a feeling pretty good. Yeah. Praise be to God. Yeah. Praise be to God. All right. This third one could be the trickiest of all, though. All right, we're going to go back to Janelle. Janelle, can you tell me? Yeah. What term refers to a demand... In the name of God, either as a prayer or a command to do something or a refrain from doing something. What do we call that? A demand in the name of God, either as a prayer or a command to do something or a refrain from doing something. Yeah, yeah. That sounds a lot to me like blasphemy. You cannot use the name (laughs) of God to do such things. That is a sin. Are you sure? Yeah. Mm. I am. I'm positive. Hmm. Hmm. Is that true? Hmm. Let's see what David has to say. See what David. David, 
Can you tell me what term refers to a demand in the name of God, either as a prayer or a command to do something or refrain from doing something? Uh, Joe, that is called adjuration. Adjuration. You know, wow. uh, that's that's my Sounds final like made up word. <laughs> that's my final answer. Joe. Adjuration. Adjuration. Yes, mm-hmm. of course. Okay, so there's, here we go. There's a connection. David is on the hook for adjuration, and Miss Janelle is on the hook for blasphemy. It's not possible. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Billy, what say you? Well, adjuration is a new word for me, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try Janelle. Are you sure? <laughs> Survey <really>. says... <laughs> I heard, I heard the awkward call. Remember, <laughs> really? Billy, I, I, I feel like we might have had this conversation, you and I, like towards the beginning of this call where I asked you who the trickier person was. And you're like, Janelle! She lulled me. She lulled me. She, <laughs> she, 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 she totally sucked you in and got you. Wow. But you're still in the cup twice, Billy. Congratulations. Praise be to God. Thank you for playing our game today. Oh, thank you all for doing what you do. Praise be to Jesus. We're going to put you on hold, Billy. But you have a great day. We're very grateful to you. In case it's God's will, we're going to grab your phone number. But you'll have to tune in on Friday to see if your name is pulled out of the cup. And that is going to do it for the radio side of our program today. Praise be to God. We're very grateful to Billy and to David and to Janelle and to uh, Adrian for being a part of our program along with Kevin Wells. If you can, be a part of our after show. That's coming up on the live video stream. We'll see you there. God love you. Or we'll see you back here 6 a.m. Central, 7 Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Welcome to the after show of Catholic Drive Time, where we get a little bit more casual in our conversating about whatever it is that's on your heart, your mind. You get to drive that conversation. So all you got to do is uh, let us know um, what, where are you from. If you're a first time commenter, we had a few first time comment. I think we had one at least yesterday. Uh, let us know if you're a first time commenter. We like to lavish a little extra love on our first time commenters. And that's going to be one of the. Yes, amen. Sorry, sorry, wrong button. You just buttons are flying. Uh, no, I was going to say sorry. that is one of the aspects of getting back into the studio. That's going to be nice is to be able to uh, have more control, precision control, precision over over the buttons. I like getting, getting my dub button back. I liked uh, Billy. Uh, uh, he called me by David. I hadn't heard that in uh, a while. David. And uh, so moving forward, Joe, my new radio name is David. <laughs> David. <laughs> you know, um, it's funny you say that because that used to be a thing in radio. Uh, Probably no. still is in the secular side. I wonder if our buddy Jesus Robles is hanging out with us this morning Yeah, uh, still because um, when I went to radio broadcasting school back in 1996. Wow. I know. Were Woo. you born yet, David? <laughs> Uh, yeah, barely. Yeah. Are you alive? Yes, yes. Yeah. Adrian, when were you born? 98. 2000. When? 
98. Wow. You were born in 98? <laughs> I feel so old. All of a sudden. You are old. I've been trying to tell you this. <laughs> I went to broadcasting school when he wasn't even born yet. That's terrible. Holy smokes. I'm glad I'm sitting down. Sorry, dude. Um, uh, a man of my vintage should be very careful. So you were going, you had a you had a name? But like, yeah, that was a thing. And so it, all of us that, that were- His name was uh, T. Diddy. <laughs> what, what did I just come back to? <laughs> well, I know, just cover your ears. I mean, Adrian is being uh, very profane over here. Joe, profane. Uh, Jay what Mac. did you say? I we I didn't even know what you said. What did you say? You know, like those old rapper names. <laughs> old rapper names. Old rapper names. I'm sure I you wonder, had one of those. What would be your old rapper name, Adrian? If you had to have an old rapper name, I don't know. I would probably be uh, a dog. A dog. A dog. What is that? Like some A-dog. sort of Disney film or something? A dog. A D. A D. A D. Nah, I mean, at my vintage, it would probably have to be Grandmaster Slam or something. I don't know. Grandmaster Slam. What on earth? <laughs> it's a combination of a Denny's breakfast and a rapper. Denny's <laughs> <laughs> breakfast and a rapper. Oh my the, goodness. The Grandmaster Slam. I was not expecting that. Wow, how did we get there? Uh, it devolved so quickly. I don't, where was I going with this? Oh, we oh. had we were we were picking like that was a thing, you know, like you your stage name. You'd have a stage name. You'd have a radio name because you know you don't want your your public to know who you really are. You wanted to separate your public and your private life, right? So you came up with these uh, these names, and uh, boy, we, it's just the silliest, vain nonsense. Well, what was yours? You know, what uh, was yours? Uh, it's kind of embarrassing. I don't know if I want to actually. You should tell say you. it. Or yeah. we a all slight need to version. grow in some humility. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I said it in the past on the radio. Has he? I just gotta Have go I? Back and find it. Yeah, what did yeah. I say? I can't I remember. I've I gotta go back and find it. What's it like? The joke. I doubt story? I have ever told anybody this story ever. It's too embarrassing. J Mac. J Mac. No, it. It was. Uh, so I was kind of into my uh, my Scottish heritage at the okay. time. I still am, but I would. I did a lot of research on the history of the McLean clan and sort of its origins. So I was trying to, uh, I was trying to come up with a play on the, one of the original founding members of the McLean clan. And the funny, the embarrassing part is I thought I knew how to pronounce that person's name. <laughs> I learned later that I wasn't even close. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. There you go. <coughs> Only uh, Scottish nerds would now know the true secret. Okay. Um, uh, there's a lot of people hanging out with us today on on the YouTube side. Praise be to God. Tammy, good morning to you, Patty. Good morning to you. Patty was on YouTube. Wow, yes. mind blown. Uh, 93, good morning. Eric, good morning, our, uh, our friends. Jeff Burrier, Christopher Velasquez, praise be to God. Miriam, it's good to see you. Uh, bless us, Jesus. Amen. Miriam, uh... Varghese, are you a brand new commenter? I don't know. The last name looks familiar. Um, Is Miriam Varghese a new commenter? Praise be to Jesus. If so, Angelo, good morning to you. Praise be to God, Miriam. If you are, praise be to God. Amen. We're very, uh, very grateful for first-time commenters. If you're not, well, God bless you anyway. Praise be to Jesus. Um, Mike K., good morning to you. Uh, It's good to have you uh, hanging out with us again. Uh, Jeff Burrier and Sienna and Dominic, good morning to all of you. Praise be to God. Hopefully your summer's going really, really well. William Hemsworth is here. Adrian just made me feel old. He graduated school in 1998. Wow. So, Adrian, you're making people feel really old today. 
<laughs> good Sorry. job. Good job. I'm not as old, I'm not as young as Janelle though. Janelle's even younger. Uh, she was no, she's was not even born younger. in the '90s. She was yes. born in 2000s. Two thousands. Crazy, wow. huh? I may not, or may not, not even have the two thousands. Two thousand and one. Tammy says, "Great show, Janelle and David have been doing great. God bless them and Joe and Adrian. God bless you for continuing while still not one hundred percent." Yeah. Um, I don't know, Adrian, how do you, how do you feel like Adrian? I know you're, you're, you're not sick anymore, technically speaking. That's true. But do you have any lasting effects? Yeah, I have a cough. I've been having a cough. Uh, I feel like this cough is going to be with me forever. And that's been super annoying. But other than that, um, I've been mostly okay. I, uh, the one of the lasting effect that I have, I have the cough as well, but, uh, is just exhaustion. Like things wear me out fast and, uh, I, I feel like I just can't catch up for the most part. And that's kind of annoying because it's hard to, uh, maintain a pace, especially when you're a part of the, the 1% of, of, ca- of not Catholics. I was going to say human beings on planet earth who are awesome and get out of bed early. Um, now David, I don't know now if it's awesome pe- to be honest. It's awesome. Trust me, it's awesome. Uh, David, now that you've been a part of this uh, very unique and selective uh, slice of You're going to volunteer and start coming every day. Right. Uh, How could you possibly go back to being lazy again? Ooh, tough question. Uh, Yeah, I know. Uh, (laughs) Loaded question. I know. Loaded. (laughs) Loaded question. My Catholic Catholic guilt course at college really is paying (laughs) off, but don't worry. Only smart people would know that. I know, I know. Uh, you know, uh, every morning I see the donut guys uh, going to, you know, to Shipley's and all that kind of stuff. I wave at them and like, all right, guys, I'll, I'll see y'all uh, next morning. And uh, yeah, it's kind of cool driving in early. But uh, like I said, driving in early, leaving at noon, and okay, that's about it. Yeah, yeah. You know what's crazy, David? What's that? I I've been Catholic longer than Joe has been Catholic. Let's see, you were, you were born in 98, and March. I became Catholic in 99. Whoa. So you're right. Wow. Yep, yep. Right. Mind blown. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Mind blown. Wow. Um, wow. Speaking of blown, there's people asking for some insane things on the, on the Twitter feed. Angelo wants to hear the Jesus is a friend of mine song, David. No. You got to play it. No, no, you don't. You don't have, you have to play to. it. There's no moral obligation. I thought I I thought I commanded that to be deleted. I was pretty sure. <laughs> okay. I was pretty sure. Lori said, Joe, did you have a brog to go with that brogue. name? I arg. You gotta talk like a pirate when you try to talk brogue. Uh, uh, Scottish. But, I need to yeah. try I need to learn how to do a uh, do accents. I can't do accents at all. Accents are so it's cool. It's really bad. Fun. I used to, uh, so one of my early days of radio, my first paid gig in radio, WNHQ 92.1 in, uh, in, Na- in, not Nashua, but outside of Nashua, New Hampshire. I used to try to do uh, impersonations. I would do like, uh, It's a Wonderful Life impersonations and, and others. And until my boss was like, yeah, those are great. Could you never do them again, please? <laughs> Wow, they're like, much nicer okay. than I would have been. I would have been like, Joe, stop it. <laughs> well, pretty much that's what he said. It's hilarious. Jesus yeah. said, McLean the Mac Daddy. The Mac Daddy. Boy. That would be your name. And he said, for me, it would be Adrian Adderall. Adderall. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. I don't know how to take that. 
Adderall. What's uh, Jesus? Did you have a no? Now, whether you know or not, Mr. Jesus Robles is a uh, he is a pretty famous uh, radio star, actually. Um, quite the career. He still continues his work, even though he's a police officer. He still is. He still does radio. Um, Jesus, did you have a radio name? Did you have a separate name from uh, from your real name? Uh, let me know. I'd love to know. I think I might have asked you that question before. I can't recall what you said. Uh, let's see here. Buddy. Buddy wants to know. He brought this up, I think, yesterday. Um, he wants to know about the He says, why nobody mentions the effects of feminism, the feminist movement, in the degradation of morals and sexual perversion. I think that's true. Should we get, should we get uh, Timothy Gordon to talk about that? His, uh, he just, uh, I think Sophia just started pre-ordering his book on uh, feminism. Are you saying he's actually it. finishing that? He book? actually finished a book. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> now you make. I think the up. book is uh, the case for the patriarchy. I think. I think that's what it's called. Let me check. I'm still waiting for his book on Vatican II. Dude, that's going to come out after this one, and this one's on pre-order. So you're going to you're going to be waiting a while. <laughs> I'm going to be waiting a while. He takes about four times as long as he uh, says he will to get those oh. books out. Okay. Yeah, it's well, called the case for patriarchy. In his defense, Gordon, I, I, it would take me forever to write a proper book. <laughs> <laughs> Just not, some people are, are can bang them out, and others it takes time. Now, I've, if I'm not mistaken, he, Timothy also does a ton of research too. So it's probably why it takes so long. Yeah, I think we ought to book him. That'd be great. It'd be good conversation. You know, we talked to um, Carrie Gress uh, about her book, and remember, her book kind of got national yeah, headlines cool. because it was being canceled. Good stuff. Um, it was a good good conversation about uh, sort of modern feminism and its contribution to the craziness in our society today. You know, and that uh, we were talking earlier to Kevin Wells, and we were, we sort of touched upon the sort of the crisis of fatherhood and the priesthood. Mm-hmm. You know, and it goes to that when you have when you confuse people on their true identity, how God made us, and the roles that we have to 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 play within that creation. Bad things happen when uh, when you use things inappropriately. Th- things break, and there are consequences. That is true for human beings. When you confuse their femininity, when you confuse masculinity, bad things are a result to that, and we see that every single day in society. We are trying to pretend to uh, uh, to be something we are not. Jesus Robles says uh, he was Jesse Robles. On 106.5. Is, is that Chewy? Did, Chewy? La Nueva? <laughs> on La Nueva 108. Chewy, you were Chewy. Is that, did I say that correctly? Is it Chewy? And then uh, he was David Robles on Metro Traffic. And uh, on 102.9. Change your first name, but not your last name. Is there a reason that people do that? I thought you would change your whole name. I think some people do. Uh, hmm. I did. I did not use my real first name for a while. And then I realized no, I mean, this name. is embarrassing. No, I didn't use my last name at all. Oh, okay. Hmm. Interesting. Um, but it was just really embarrassing and vain. Well, secretly, my name's not actually Adrian Fonseca. So uh, secretly, come secretly. on, man. We I already just, knew. Just spilled spilled the beans. Beans. Your name is Adderall Party. According to ninety three. Ah, buddy, should we get uh, should we get Timothy Gordon on to talk about uh, modern feminism? That would probably be a good idea. You know, uh, I would like to. I, I wish he was publishing his book on Vatican II. 
Because that is a big part of this new Moto Proprio. <clears throat> there seems to be a big emphasis on what certain people, prelates within the church, believe is an attack on Vatican II. And um, and that's at the heart of uh, some of their, their issues with the little traditional community. So it'd be good to uh, get Timothy Gordon on, who's supposedly writing a book on the subject. It'd be good. What's What's on the agenda for tomorrow? Uh, let's see. Hmm. I think Joaquin uh, has a great piece of advice. Dr. Jules Gomez, I think is his name. And tell us about him. He is a reporter. Um, he reports for Church Militant. He also reports for, um, before he was with Church Militant, he was telling me a little bit of his background, um, let me see if I can find that email where he was telling me. Uh, he said before he started working with Church Militant, he was working with evangelicals to combat the, um, uh, let's see. In fact, long before I joined Church Militant, I was fighting the battle against the sexual indoctrination of children and finally working closely with evangelical Muslims and Orthodox Jews while Catholics and Anglican bishops were reluctant to speak up. Um uh, so we're going to be talking about the sexual indoctrination of children. Uh, we may talk about some of the other articles he put out because he actually has put out a lot of really good articles recently. And this article is a little old now because um, I wanted to talk to him about this a while ago, but I, the article came out like the day I got sick. And so I forgot about him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not just now getting back around to, to, to uh, talking to him again. Uh, so he's come out with a ton of articles since then. And it's uh, some of them are more relevant. So we may may jump around, talk about a couple things, different things. But my principal thing that I wanted to talk to him about was the sexual indoctrination of children. Yeah, pretty insane. Well, uh, we were supposed to talk to uh, a Daniel. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was his name? Suazo? Yeah, I think it was uh, Suazo. We were supposed to talk to him, but um, apparently like, it, it got really out. hectic. Um when it was about time for him to log on to the Zoom meeting, so. <laughs> um, you know, I struggle with um, um, sympathizing with in that regard. And it's not that I don't want to sympathize. I, I have to, and I should. But having done this type of work now for a very, very long time, um, I found uh, quiet spaces within a very noisy house to, to always make it happen. So closets... You know, crevices, cars. <laughs> I've been there. I've done that. Uh, there's a where there's a will, there's a way. So we'll p- be praying for him. Hopefully, we'll get him back on the show at some point. Yes, but uh, um, did you get you your say- buddy Jason Jones on? Uh, Jason Jones. He he said Francis has gone and done it now. He he is forcing me to attend the T- TLM. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, he's hilarious. He's um, so funny. He cracks me up. He's like, I've never been to the Latin Mass before, but now I want to go. I know. Exactly. <laughs> you know, that's what's, I mean, there was reports over the weekend of TLM Masses just packed, packed to the gills. Overflow. Thanks I mean, God. nobody thinks of traditional Latin Mass and having to sit in a room separate from the sanctuary watching it on TV. But that was happening <laughs> in many communities all over the over the world, I'm sure, over the weekend. There were reports out about how full uh, these things were. So um, that's why it seems strange to me. If, if unity is the goal, well, 
the nature of people, the concupiscent nature of people is to rebel. So if you're going to force them to do one thing, they're going to, they're going to na- by nature try you to know. rebel against that thing. So it just seems like even on that very basic level, let alone any, any sort of actual contemplation of the issues at stake, I think, uh, I think this is just not going to accomplish the goal of unity. In fact, it could quite do the opposite, which is terrible. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't want disunity. But who knows? Pope Francis could be doing this reverse psychology thing, you know, in one way, helping us to I don't know. unite. Yeah. Who knows? The Lord's working through him in some sort of way. Some, uh, well, mm. uh, Leticia says, good morning. I've been on vacation. Good morning. Uh, welcome back. Praise be to God, Leticia. It's good to see you here. Good morning, Monica Cortez um, on YouTube. What happened to you and Joe? What happened to you, Joe, and Adrian? Your efforts are appreciated to bring us important topics and information. Well, what happened was Adrian uh, got sick, and then I got sick, and uh, we were out. And we've been out ever since, and hopefully we'll be back tomorrow. Um, did you see what it, um, Joaquin said on uh, Facebook? What did Joaquin say? Joaquin's a brilliant man. He's super sharp. He's very astute, very wise, and uh, I'm told very good looking, too. You know, if, um, if, I, if the horns start playing, I don't what? know if I'll be able to come in tomorrow. I think I'm going to get horns? sick. The horns? I think it'll. I'm gonna Come have on, a regression David. in my Let's illness. Let's hear it, buddy. Uh, my, my. The horns. I can already. Can I, I already feel sicker. To be honest, <laughs> you feel my, sicker. All of a sudden, my fever's coming back. Uh, I that's can because you're. Because if the horns strike fear inside of you, that what does that say about your state of grace? Hmm. Uh, probably going to hell, to be honest. <laughs> probably. Just I didn't like want to general. say that out loud or anything, but. Uh, venerable Port Maurice or the blessed Port Maurice said that most people are going to hell. So (laughs) and he was preaching and he was preaching to uh, Catholics um, not to grave sinners. He was preaching in churches. So, you know, it's tangentially related to the horns and the sound of the horns and the fear that that strikes within you. You know, I did a a study once. Um, It was Scott Hahn that sort of uh, planted the, the bug in my in my ear uh, once in his commentary on Genesis chapter three and the, the sound that God makes in the garden, walking in the cool of the day when he confronts Adam and Eve and the, the Hebrew word co there and its implications. It, you know, we, we as 21st century Americans, we tend to look back on sacred scripture from a very shallow perspective. We think of, you know, the snapping of twigs and, you know, uh, poor God does not know what happened. Oh, Adam and Eve, where are you? Where are you? You know, come out, come out wherever you are. That's total nonsense, right? He's God. Okay, there's nothing that can happen that, that does not happen uh, w- it, without his knowledge, right? Uh, so uh, the word ko there in Hebrew has a sound associated that is actually very foreboding, uh, dread. You know, think of uh, that first time you ever heard the theme music to Star Wars and Darth Vader comes out of the smoke, right? Dun, 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 dun. It's like that, that dread feeling, right? And that music. Well, there's, there's a connotation there. And then, so uh, thanks to uh, uh, Scott Hahn, I was able to go through Sacred Scripture looking at this, the sort of the seeds of that, of that experience, and you'll find it again throughout Sacred Scripture. For example, at the foot Mount of Sinai, you know, there in Exodus chapter 24, you know, when the people approached the mountain because they were not, uh, because they didn't really obey God's command of uh, purifying themselves for three days, they were in a, st- they were not in a state of grace. They could not touch the mountain or else they'd be consumed, um, 
you know, because being in communion, perfect, perfect communion with, with God in the beatific vision, you, you can't have stain of sin on you. That's, you know, uh, Revelation twenty one twenty seven. But anyway, so you follow that sound, and you can even find references to it in the Gospels as well. And uh, it's, it's fascinating to look at how if you're living in a state of sin, you feel dread at the presence of God. But if you're in a state of grace, you rejoice at the presence of God. So with the horns of the apocalypse, the coming judgment, being in a state of grace could drastically alter your perception of that moment. Nah. Nah. I think the, uh, most of the saints agree that everyone, including even those who are already saved, will tremble when they hear the horns of judgment because who can stand in front of the mighty God? Well, okay, I wasn't trying to distract from that at all. Of course. I mean, we're talking about concupiscent people. So, yeah, we're uh, talking about the horns. The horns. Specifically. Yeah. The horns of the There apocalypse. it is. All of a sudden, my illness regressed a week. Praise be to God. So, Joe, you go from that sound to... Do we have a new commenter? Uh, Colin, good morning to you. Praise be to God. Good to see you, my friend. The fawn. It's the fawns? I mean, Eric Rodriguez is just throwing stuff out there. Star Wars Chewy. I said that my uh, name would be the fawns. The fawns? The fawns. Or Fonzie. Fonzie. Did you grow up watching uh, Happy Days? Happy Days. That's been taken, Adrian. Dude. Man. Dude, every name's been taken. What are you talking about? Yeah, that's you know, true. Uh, can, can I crush your spirit on that a little bit? Did you know the <laughs> the actor who played uh, the Fonzie uh, could not ride a motorcycle? What? Oh, that's fine. Yeah. It's what? called acting. Yeah, well. Wow. Kind of destroys it, doesn't it? It does. Eh. And the leather jacket he was wearing was not leather. Yeah, it was leather. <laughs> he wasn't Everybody even wearing that. a jacket. What? <laughs> Come on. Oh, That's man. crazy. Next thing you're going to say is Gilligan's Island wasn't real and they weren't really trapped. Good grief. Oh, no. Yeah. Mm. Um, <laughs> they, just make, they just don't make them like they used to, do they? I hate to tell you this. <laughs> Gilligan's Island, that was also what they call acting. <laughs> acting. They weren't actually on an island. I hate to tell you this. Uh, that's funny. Uh, you, you, you may be surprised to hear this, too. Reality TV is not actually reality. Um, okay. no, that's not true. Don't be lying. I'm sorry, dude. Don't be misleading sorry. people. I think it's just your response. Just my feelings. Dreams. Yeah. Next thing you're going to tell me is Braveheart wasn't a documentary film. Like, wow. What? What are you trying to say? Uh, Adrian said he regressed and Joe said, praise be to God. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad somebody justice. noticed that. Justice, sweet justice. Uh, I was lagging, he says. Oh, my heavens. Well, what time is it? It's, uh, we have a few minutes left, we could say. We could talk about uh, whatever you want to talk about. If there's anything on your heart, anything going on for the rest of the summer break, I'd be curious. Is anybody still going on vacation still? I'd love to know. Buddy says you lie. Those shows are historical documents. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. You uh, You say so, but, you know. I don't know. Actual footage. Oh, you know, so today may be David's last day for a little while, but he'll be back on August 16th, I believe. i got to go double-check my calendar. I'm going to Ohio, and I will not be able to get back in until right after the show. Um, So David's going to fill in for me on that day, 
and I will be uh, in Ohio seeing my novice brothers make their vows. So that'd be pretty cool. I'm super excited for that. Now, David, I'm told that the worst thing you could do, if you've been getting up early, um, like the most incredible human beings on planet Earth, and if you have to do it again in the future, going back to sort of like some sort of uh, regular schedule is the worst thing that can happen to you. Really? Can you quote that? Can you find that and send yeah, me the book? Uh, of course. I, yeah, you got it. No problem. Just it's in the meantime, documentary should, Gilligan's Island. You should trust <laughs> me on this. Uh, you should, you know, just, just, you're going to have to continue to get up very early until after that August date. This way, you don't have any problems because you, the worst thing that could happen is you're going to go back to some sort of normal schedule, and then you will not be able to get yourself out of bed after that. I, I, I like the normal schedule, Joe. I like it. You know, um, you know, they call it normal for a reason. That's a good point. That's, you don't want to be like really everybody else, right? You want to be different. Nah. No, no, yeah. no. Yeah, not yeah. in everything. Yeah, you do. <laughs> come on, man. Come on, man. I don't even have my come on, man button anymore. I'm with Janelle. Okay, come on, man. Come on, man. I need my come on. What man. are we talking about? I don't know. What are we talking about? Um, let's see what else Tammy said. So the only reality shows I like are cooking and baking comp- competitions. Those mm. are intense. You know, we don't have television. We cut the cord, as you all know. I've told you a million times. But I, I have watched on occasion uh, uh, Iron Chef like highlight videos on YouTube. <laughs> have you seen it the ones where the, like the most dramatic ingredient oh, yeah. reveal ever? <laughs> <laughs> Broccoli, you know, it's just so <laughs> hilarious, so over the top, so cheesy. Joe tried to show this to me. And That's I was so like, funny. it's not impressed at all. It's so he funny. He was like laughing his head off. And I'm like, <laughs> it's not that funny. It's hilarious. Are you kidding? I was like, eh. <sighs> Apparently, you gotta- if you compare um, American um, like competition shows with um, British ones, they the British shows use significantly less sound effects than um, the American shows. It's because <laughs> they less don't make it. Laughter. Um, they make it, um, I guess, because it's not interesting enough for the American audience. We've been so desensitized that we need... I guess uh, laughter prompting, um, and or like laughter some sort, prompting. or like I guess like dramatic prompting in order to kind of have some redeeming, uh, worthwhile watch or whatever. It's inter- so interesting. Yeah. Well, um, cooking is very interesting to watch. Even at, well, it's like I I dislike watching cooking at night though. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the uh, some of the YouTube channels that I watch with the family that are family friendly. They're like their adventure, the outdoor adventure, you know, overlanding, camping, that kind of thing. And they're always including like these gourmet meals in the middle of nowhere. It's like I hate watching that stuff because I always get hungry. <laughs> <sighs> like it's rough. Fish eyeballs are a delicacy. Well, there you go, buddy. Uh, okay. I cannot, uh, I cannot share your opinion, but okay. I've not been big on fish eyeballs Mm-mm. or fish heads. You know, I was uh, – Back in uh, 2004, when I was working in corporate America, they threatened to send me to uh, Indonesia for a year, and that was like the main main meal was fish heads and rice. Mm-mm. Um, no, <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. I like cow. I like uh, <laughs> I like pork. Cow cheek is delicious. Indonesia, unfortunately, is a Muslim country, so there's no pork involved. But uh, cow, at least cow, at the very least. Charlotte, good morning to you, our our friend from the Katy area. 
Good morning. Praise be to God. You've got to be a first-time commenter. I don't, th- I don't know if I've ever seen you comment on the program before. Good morning. Amen. 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 Praise be to God. We are wrapping up now, Charlotte, though. It's time for us to say goodbye. Uh, you know, ending our, uh, our very low-key, casual after-show conversation. So tomorrow, we have at least one guest on. I don't know if we'll get a... I hope we do. Praise be to God. Um, we're going to be speaking with Dr. Jules. Do you say Jules? I think so. Yes, yeah, it's Gomez. Jules Gomez. So we'll have an interesting with conversation an S, not tomorrow. A Z. Uh, Gomez. Gomez? Dr. Sure. Jules Gomez will be our guest tomorrow. Oh, you can tell, as I said, the lingering effect for me is exhaustion, so everything exhausts me, and I'm looking forward to taking a break, but we'll uh, see you back here tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Do us a favor. Help us get back on track and uh, normal. We have a lot to catch up on. There's a lot of content that's not being been posted to Catholic Drive Time. Hopefully, we'll start to get that done this week and uh, fill out our calendar for, with some interesting conversation. But uh, until then, God bless you. God love you. Have a great day and share us with others.